Friday morning, I was reminded of how important it is to pause. I was reminded because I wasn't doing it. <laughs> and I woke up early, and so I thought, oh, I have so much time to do everything that I can before we leave for the day. And so I decided that I could make muffins, which I've been doing lately, and we are dairy and gluten-free, and I figured out how to make gluten-free muffins, dairy-free muffins from scratch, and I was like, oh, okay, we can do this. And, and then I um, was reminded that I had beans that had been soaking for about 36 hours, and I was like, well, you know, I should probably cook them, but I should just leave them in the smallish pot they were in. And so... I made the muffins and I filled 12 muffin tins and it was exactly right even though I hadn't measured anything and I was pretty impressed with myself. <laughs> and then I went upstairs to get ready and I made sure the girls were doing all the things they needed to be doing to get out the door. And I checked on the muffins and they weren't done and then I went back upstairs and I got myself ready and then I checked on the muffins and they weren't done and so I did that three times and I came back. And then they weren't done, and I went to put them back in the oven. And you know, you don't know why these things happen, or why you yourself move your body in a way that doesn't make any sense, but I dumped all of the muffins into the oven. <laughs> Some of them were in silicone things, so they sort of bounced and were semi-salvageable, and I cleaned it up mostly, and I turned off the oven, and so I hoped that we would be done with that disaster. And then I went upstairs to finish getting ready, and then I smelled something, and I thought, that's not the oven burning the muffins, because I turned that off, right? So this wouldn't be the smell, and then I realized it was the beans. <laughs> And they were totally, the bottom layer was totally black, and you know, like the whole burned thing gets through everything, so they just went in the compost, all of them. And so I realized that maybe I should have taken the time that I had that seen as extra to pause, rather than to fill every moment with something that was an accomplishment. Because sometimes we really need to pause when we think that we can do lots and lots of things. So we have been talking about pausing for the past few weeks. And the first week, two weeks ago, I talked about stopping doing something to make space for peace. Something specific. Choosing to not do something to make space for peace. I've been taking Mondays off of Facebook and it has created a space in my life for peace. Last week, Alan talked about being intentional each day about doing something that's not work, that's renewing. It was the story of Martha and Mary and how choosing to be rather than to do is a good choice. It's a choice that Jesus invites us to make. And I should remember that on Friday and so today, I would like to talk about, to think about, pausing to prepare. Pausing to step back and imagine a way to share love. 
stepping back, dreaming about possibilities, making a plan, scheming to share love, and then ex executing the plan with the only intention of giving that love as a gift. We have to step back and imagine sometimes how we can share love. Because it doesn't just come to us sometimes. We have to make space for it. So I'd like to share a story with you, a story about Jesus, and some stories that Jesus told in the context of a dinner. Jesus liked to have dinner. And he liked to teach the people who he was having dinner with how they could maybe do it better next time. So this is from the Gospel of Luke in the 14th chapter, and I'm just going to read the first verse to give you a little context, and then we're going to jump to verse 7. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to share a meal in a home of one of the leaders of the Pharisees, they were watching him close. When Jesus noticed how the guests sought out the best seats at the table, he told them a parable. When someone invites you to a wedding celebration, don't take your seat in the place of honor. <coughs> Actually, not Alan Reason. Sure.
in, invite the important people to their house. To invite strangers. To invite people who cannot repay you. <coughs> I actually had a fantasy of doing this. I had a party at my house that I was house-sitting in in Washington, D.C. And it was near downtown, and it was a lovely party. And we had all this food left over. And I was like, do you know that story that Jesus tells about going to get people off the streets? <coughs> well, if I had figured out how to do that practically on that day, it would have happened. <laughs> but it's kind of an impractical scenario, right? Going and just picking people up and bringing them to your house and feeding them. I and mean, we don't do that. <laughs> but if there is a way of living that experience out that does not involve that, maybe we would do it. So, maybe you've seen this. <coughs> 40 ways of living simply during the 40 days of Lent. This is our invitation to how you might experience this season of Lent. So I went through this, and I found all the activities that you're invited to do that sort of live out this same invitation. Somebody want to read this screen for us? Invite someone new into your home to share a homemade meal. <coughs> go for a walk and invite a family member or friend to go with you so you can appreciate God's creation together. Take a walk and clean up trash along the way. Take someone with you so one of you can collect recyclables. Buy a few $5 fast food gift cards to give to people you encounter on the street. Someone else want to read the next screen? Make an effort to reach out to a neighbor today. Wave, say hello, or invite your neighbor for a visit. Brainstorm a list of friends in your life who might want to begin meeting to share a meal together and talk about your spiritual lives. Just like the Amish help each other build barns, help a neighbor shovel their snow or clean up their yard. Or visit a local nonprofit to learn about volunteer opportunities. <coughs> this list at home. There's a pile of them out on that table. And I would encourage you to take it and to be inspired and to imagine what you might do to share love, to give love. Today is one great hour of sharing Sunday. And this is the day that we are invited to empower others 
to change the lives of people in disaster. The offering for One Great Hour of Sharing Sunday goes to support the administrative costs of UNCOR, United Methodist Committee on Relief, which is one of the top relief agencies in the world with a great reputation. And part of that great reputation is that when something happens, when there's a disaster and people give to UNCOR for that disaster, every penny that is given goes to that disaster. And so the beauty of this offering, this day, this way that United Methodists support the United Methodist Committee on Relief is that this offering pays for the administrative costs. Because there are administrative costs to every organization. And UNCOR covers those not through the donations for the crisis, which I think is brilliant. UNCOR is there whenever and wherever disaster strikes. UNCOR is there when the, was there when the tornadoes hit in Oklahoma, and they stayed to help clean up. When the tsunami hit Japan, UNCOR was there, and they stayed to help people re relocate and recover. And when the next disaster hits, UNCOR will be there and will stay. And giving to this is a way of scheming to share love. So now I have a story that's going to make you cry. And maybe you've already cried over it because I have. But it is a story of a group of people planning for a month to help one individual have an amazing day, an amazing hour. And it is a commercial for Samsung. <laughs> and the man who they were scheming to empower is death. And that's as much as I need to say.
person and to a whole population of people who, have, who live in a world that is hard to communicate every day. Recently, I came across a box that looked like a gift on a shelf in our basement. Now, we have lived in our house for seven and a half years, and when we moved into that house, we got lots of shelves for the basement to put all the things that we didn't know what to do with, <laughs> and they have remained there on those shelves for pretty much that whole time. And Rachel was one the day we moved into that house. And so I found this beautiful box with all these fleur-de-lis and metal corners, and I thought, what is that? And it, the box was like this big. And I opened it, and it was a stack of cards, that big. And they were cards from when Rachel was born and when Rachel was baptized. And so, I paused and took some time to look through all of those things that people wrote to us when she was born. And there were people there um, that I barely remembered, and there were people there who, you know, just signed their names. But amongst them, there were cards that my parents each individually wrote to Rachel, Dear Rachel. By the time you are reading this, a lot will have happened in your life. But these are my prayers for you today, the day of your baptism. And what a gift those were then and are now. And in amongst those, there were gifts from people here who used to live in Massachusetts. Some of them were down in Sioux. <laughs> And some of them were Evelyn and Bob, because we were in Massachusetts, and all of them were in Massachusetts, while we were there, too. Um, but Bob was the pastor a few towns away from where Alan, Alan was a pastor, and then I was a pastor in a different town. And Evelyn was on the staff, the, a consultant for the New England Annual Conference. And so we didn't, we knew each other, but we didn't know each other well. There weren't a lot of places we connected, except at meetings that probably none of us were thrilled to be at. <laughs> but I found this beautiful card, which I should see it's beautiful. It's right here in my hand where I meant to bring it. But this card was covered in words from top to bottom with gifts of blessing. And I know they were a blessing when I read them then, but I know for sure they were a blessing when I read them this week. And there was this blessing from Joyce Ruff that Evelyn adapted for Rachel, and I'd like to share these words. A blessing for Rachel May. May you be blessed by wise, caring people who will guide you and protect May you always keep your openness to wonder and new discoveries. May you have a healthy body, a keen mind, an adventurous spirit, and a deeply caring heart. May you be treasured by your family and all who take care of you.
May you be filled with wonderful dreams and dance through life as a child of the universe. May you have many friends and be a good friend in return. May you believe in your goodness and value your self-worth. May you be aware of the tremendous love that the Creator has for you.
Amen.